Welcome, one and all, to the season's seventh installment of Rinky Dinking, brought to you by Duncan. There's a coffee morning around the Metroplex today, and it's March. And this podcast may be more therapy session than podcast, because our stars are racking up the losses like bad debt right now. And uh, I'd like to welcome on board our usual cast of characters, Jeff Totes, fresh off his uh, road trip to Florida. How was Florida, Totesy? I was, you know, it was good. It was, for all the negativity the past year, it was nice to step into a land where it felt like we had defeated COVID. And it was just like, <laughs> it was like going back to 2019, being in Florida. No, no, COVID didn't make it to Florida? Not, not, a, a, ma- not a mask in sight. It was hmm. truly, truly hmm. a, a magical land. And Mike Heika, what do you have for us this week? An eight-track uh, player in the background or something? What do you got going? I like eight tracks. I, I love that little click between songs. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. Did you ever have clocks, did, chimes? Did, did you ever tracks. have an eight track in your car, there, Daryl? You're too young, aren't you? I don't think I. Well, hold it now. I can't remember. My first car was a was a Scirocco, Ooh, a Volkswagen nice. Scirocco, and. I, no, I don't think it had an eight. You track. had a cassette, yeah. But I, we had eight tracks. We we had there, somebody in the house or my dad's vehicle maybe had an eight track in it. Maybe uh, in your console stereo in the living room. <laughs> it might have been in that too. <laughs> it might have been in that. Anyway, um, good to hear you guys again. Here we go, right? Sure. Do you want to do a little uh, February review? A time for reflection. We're calling it. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, uh, right off the top, why don't we do a little uh, the good, the bad, and probably the ugly of uh, February? And it actually started awesome, right? A six-three oh, yeah. win at CBJ uh, against uh, uh, was that Line's first ever game as a Blue Jacket. It was the first game of the month. Stars win at six to three, and uh, super awesome. And here we go into uh, February. Not so fast. <laughs> and then uh, the bad and the ugly is actually combined in, in the land of no masks where, where Totsi just was. The bad, for me, the collapse at Florida in the penultimate game of the month. And then the ugly, the finale, the five cob face plant in Tampa. For you, Mike Heike, uh, do you have anything <laughs> beyond what I just said as far as the good, the bad, and the ugly of February? Um, I, I do think the ugly is the middle where they actually had some fairly good performances and simply couldn't find a way to, to win games. I mean, they were in control of a bunch of games and they just, they either didn't score the right, you know, when, with the right shot or they didn't make the right save or they didn't, you know, get the, the key penalty kill. And it just, it's really frustrating because I do think they went from being an okay team to being a not so okay team. Because of those failures. Hmm. Hmm. I see that. I mean, there there was quite a bit of stuff to to parse and and mull over as far as the bad. It was. You're right though, Mike, because almost wrapped up in the bad, there was good, and then wrapped up in the good, there was bad. There was like layers of it. It was like sushi rolls or something. <laughs> Spoiled parts, sushi roll. Parts of the sushi roll are good. Parts, eh, but it all you choke it all down and and you move on. So, uh, but at the end of it all, 
the players themselves. And I, I thought Andrew Cogliano was terrific after the game in in uh, Tampa, where you know he's trying to explain. Uh, I mean, I can't think of an, a, a more. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to talk right now. I just want to wallow uh, moment for those guys, especially veteran guys and, and guys who care. But he was articulate as always and said, you know, we, a lot, we need to individually look in the mirror uh, heading into the new month. And uh, there's, there's no question, right? Like, I mean, individually, you got to do what you can do to help, you know, dig yourself out personally and probably as a group out of the little funk that they're in right now. Yeah, and I think there's a bunch of them. We talked to Gary Onoff and Hintz today, and both of them are like, I got to be better. These are younger players, but they do. They do need to be better. Dennis Garyanov needs to convert some of these scoring chances. And the same thing goes for the veterans. You know, Pavelski or Ben or whoever, they need to step up as well. So, yeah, you have to look at the in the mirror and say, what can I do individually to make our team better? Yeah, and it goes back to the – it's the simplest of simple stuff, right? Like if you're – if you're a goal scorer, if that's your best trait or skill, then you better score some goals. If you're a goaltender, then you should tend the goal. If you're a defender, then you should defend the other team. Like it's, it's not rocket science. I can tell you that it never has been. And uh, I'm, I'm not. Th- this group doesn't strike me as a group that ever looks uh, well. Points fingers for one. I don't even know if that even goes on anymore. Uh, but that that looks around there might be a little bit of that uh waiting for someone else to get it done with the amount of guys that have been out of the lineup and the quality of players that have not been available it's kind of like oh who's gonna anybody gonna step forward maybe they got to a point after that debacle in tampa where it's like you know what i'm not waiting for anybody to step forward i'm gonna step forward and uh people can follow and it doesn't have to be uh, a 10-year vet or anything, you know, or somebody with a letter or anything like that. Everybody's got to be able to do that, I would think. I think that has to be the mindset. But the whole uh, look in the mirror thing, though, brought up the greatest mirror gazers of all time in my mind. That's how my mind works. Do you remember any of the mirror gazers from past, Mike? Totsi? No. You no. don't? Like like in stories or in sports? Well, wasn't the Black Queen in, in Snow White like the greatest mirror oh, yeah. gazer of them all? Was it the Black that is Queen? True. Is that her name? Uh, Charlize Theron. I knew that in the in the one version of it. Yeah, I'm confused. But I mean, that was mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the, wall, the fairest yep. of them all, right? I uh, believe Alice is in the looking glass. Is that a mirror? Yeah, I think so. Okay. See, I don't know. Uh, what was the... What was the skit on Saturday Night Live? What was his name? Was it <laughs> Stuart Hanley? Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Stuart, that was one of my favorite look in the mirrors, right? And when then, he was there with Michael Jordan. Mike, yeah. <laughs> he had MJ look at her, could barely hold it together, trying to tell himself that it was daily affirmation, right? Right. With Stuart Smalley. Because I'm good enough and strong enough. Yes. And do- doggone it, people like me. <laughs> Oh God! That's so what the good. stars need to do right now. It's yeah, well, a perfect. Maybe. They need Stuart Smalley. Yeah, in the I mean, that, yes, in in a way, Mike, you're you're absolutely correct because that is the the affirmation that they seem to be seeking and, and going with, which is basically look in the mirror, don't look for anybody else. Look at that guy. Say that guy needs to be better. At the same time, tell that guy in the mirror you are better. You are good. Yeah. You can get it done. 
which is very different than in the movie Slapshot, Billy Charlebois from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Do you remember Billy Charlebois? He was the one that had the, the twins as girlfriends. <laughs> and in the they're in the uh, motel room, they're in the dressing room, whatever it was, he could always find the mirror. And he'd always lean in and check himself out, check that feathered blonde hair of his. He got a black eye and he was worried about his black eye and everything. Again, finding the mirror to look in the mirror. And uh, my old friend, who now does uh, color on the New Jersey Devils broadcast, uh, Ken Danico, I played junior hockey with. And when I, when I played in Kamloops under Bill LaForge, we weren't allowed to have a mirror in our dressing room at all. We had no mirrors. So we couldn't look in the mirror at, <laughs> at the actual rink, which is pretty funny. But uh, you, couldn't, you also couldn't fix your hair after the game or anything. I mean, we literally had no mirror. And other than in the training room, and all it was, you know, those little uh, makeup mirrors, the the uh, travel makeup mirrors, little tiny circle mirrors. Yeah. Well, we there was one of those in there that you could close quickly, uh, that just sat on a shelf, because uh, you would think, I mean, guy gets sliced for sixteen stitches, you kind of want to look at what the damage is, right? And uh, but that mirror itself, which was probably I don't know, maybe four inches across. Like a real small mirror, yeah, was was broken in half. So so you had half of a four inch mirror to check yourself out, and it sat on the shelf in there. So as players do, you usually congregate in the in the training room as everyone's getting ready for the game, before everyone goes into the room, starts putting their gear on. And uh, Ken Danico was was built like an Adonis when he was like fifteen years old, and and he enjoyed himself. He enjoyed. <laughs> He enjoyed looking at himself, right? And he would, honest to God, in that little tiny training room we had, he would find a way to position himself in there where he could see himself in the mirror. <laughs> and he, he could jug, he would juggle his pecs a little bit and that. And you could you'd talk to him and he'd never, he wasn't really looking at you. He was more looking at the mirror and just checking out how the guns were looking and, and what the, uh, everything was uh, juggling around and pretty smooth and, and ready to go. But that was... That was our mirror. I, I don't think I ever looked in the thing. I you never looked that, in the mirror. There you go. Maybe I should have. You need that self-confidence, don't you? I, I should have <laughs> Stuart Smalley it a little bit better. <laughs> well, oh. uh, here's, here's the question now, right? As we begin March in earnest, is this homestand the season? And for me, the answer is kind of yes. They're going to play six in a row at American Airlines Center, 12 points available. 12 of the first 16 games in March, they're going to play 17, but 12 of the first 16 in March are on home ice, where the Stars have lost in regulation in just one of their eight games so far. They're four, one, and three. It's like an area code, uh, whereas they are rather dismal, two, five, and one away. So is this it, Mike Heike? I think so. And then the other thing I think that's interesting is if you start doing the math on Florida, Tampa, Carolina, they're starting to get a little bit out there. And yeah. so to catch those three, it's going to take a bit. So then now you got to focus on Chicago and Columbus. And guess what? You got Chicago and Columbus in the six game homestand. So those are important games and you, you really do need to win them. Yeah, that is an understatement. <laughs> uh, you do need to win them. The uh, look, 
the Columbus Blue Jackets are in their own little spiral right now. What have they won? One of their last eight, I think? Something like that, yeah. And Chicago continues to just be like, oh, my God, how, how are you doing that? They, they won last night 7-2 to two without their top three center icemen. Like, now, it was, it was Detroit, but they also lost. I don't Detroit care who it is. Like, I know. Think about, think about how important that position is for any team. Yeah. And you just subtract your, your top three of four center icemen out of the equation. You know, Taves, Kirby Doc, uh, Strom. And, and they didn't just win. Like, they pasted them seven to two. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine, Daryl Ray, said last week the league's just getting too talented. That, you know, <laughs> every team has nine center icemen and four goalies. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good call. We nailed back. that. I wonder how that went over with it. Did people understand what we were talking about? Do you think? I think so. I don't know. It was a good clickbait title. Was it? Yeah. Well, yes, it was, wasn't it? That's what we're going for. That was the one that was used right up top. Get the clicks. You're right. Uh, (laughs) So we're we're less than six weeks to the trade deadline as well. April 12th will be the trade deadline. So I think teams – how did you – I'd like to rewind the tape, like – how did you think this was going to run out with a 56-game schedule as to whether teams would just, like, bail on things early and just be massive sellers? And teams that uh, ha- are having a season of seasons are thinking, well, maybe we should just load up for the rest of this season and it almost turns into fantasy hockey halfway through this thing or in and around April 12th. Or does everyone just say, you know what, we're going to hold with what we have and and nothing's going to go on? Well, I only started thinking about it in the last couple of weeks, and then you start thinking about the expansion draft and how do you yeah, that prepared too. for that. And so then if you do have, let's say the stars go the wrong way and they've got, you know, some I'm not just saying expired. I'm not saying the stars. I'm saying no, any of these teams of that just agree. go like – you know, f- five weeks from now, they go, holy, this is not going to happen for us this year. Yeah. Well, I'm just do? saying two weeks ago, I would not have even thought about the Stars trading anybody. But now mm-hmm. you're like, eh, maybe. And then vice versa, if you're Chicago, why not? If you if there's a center Iceman out there, why not go get him? Uh, yeah. If he can fit in your cap and you can make it work, uh, go for it. I would. And then you look at what the Stars did in the playoffs last year. This seems like a similar situation. You're not going to be in a bubble, but, you know, a team can come out of nowhere, it seems like, in this type of situation. Hmm. 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 We'll but see. But my, my point is I really wasn't even thinking about Stars making a trade, and now I'm, I'm looking at contracts and expansion draft. And yeah, I've, I, you know what? I'll stuff. be honest. I'll be honest with you. I for, completely forgotten about the expansion draft. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, you know, they're trying to figure out how to do the actual – Entry draft? Yep. With many of these amateur leagues not playing, and like you can't see players, and what are they going to do, and is it going to be a two-day thing, and when is it going to be, and then you you also have an expansion draft. You also have a uh, like Brink's truck worth of cash coming to all the owners because that payment's due, isn't it, here this month? I think so, yeah. Each each uh, the Seattle split Kraken up, split up six hundred and fifty million dollars worth of Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Good times, and th- this is the other one. I I couldn't I couldn't get the actual number. I I tried from 
uh, some people uh, close to the investigation, as they say, my sources. Uh, but I was thinking this the other day because it happens, understandably so, basically every game where the the transactions go on between the taxi squad and, and your team and all teams as they utilize this expanded rosters this season, strange times and circumstances. But what in the Tom Holy Moly is up with the transaction action that we are witnessing? Taxi squads, cap, injuries, waivers, as we just said, next up probably trades. And it got me thinking, what, what is the actual record for transactions in a season? Because, good question. Yes. I, I would say it's in jeopardy, even in a just a 56-game a uh, season rather than an 82. Because those poor boys in the Stars PR department are filing uh, transactions, it feels like, uh, three times a day and every day. Yeah. And I, I talked to Mark Janko, Assistant General Manager Mark Janko, the the heartbeat of the stars <laughs> yes, before the season is. started. And he, he said he didn't anticipate doing this daily shuffle to save, you know, 50 bucks here and 50 bucks there. And yet that's exactly what they're doing. So I guess it's just so easy with the uh, with the practice squad, the extra taxi squad that why not do it? It's just paper, right? It's, it's clerical. Not like, is it not? Yeah. These people aren't going anywhere. Back in the day when Jason Dickinson was going up and down, he actually had well, to they, go to Austin. Don't you remember they made they made the rule change so that teams couldn't do that, couldn't make all these paper transactions. Right. The you it was I mean, it was it was ridiculous because you would you understood what they were trying to do. Like it's like all things. Somebody was circumnavigating this thing, circumventing uh the the spirit of what that was supposed to be and and they screwed everyone else up so then the league stated you can't do it just on paper that that player has to actually fly to wherever show up there and then you can bring him back again and it was just like really so you're gonna you're gonna put that on the player you're gonna have to pay that money on top of it and for a transaction that isn't really that meaningful and you could have just done it for a few hours and then and then went back again but it had they had to stop it in its tracks cuz teams were abusing it yeah and now you fast forward to this and it's like no go nuts <laughs> nobody's moving anywhere <laughs> that's right they're right here although i do have to ask and this is something i guess we need to ask mark is that so if you're saving cap money is that player losing that money so if he goes to the minors for a day, oh yeah, they, only, no, yeah, yeah. There's different. Uh, he gets minor league pay for that day, even though well, he's yeah, not doing anything different. You only get NHL money when you're on the NHL roster, right? So when you're not on the NHL roster, you're getting your uh, you know players individuals are on two way contracts. Used to be three way contracts back in right. my day. Can you believe that? Yeah. And uh, I never had, I never had to go to the. I only had one contract that had a three-way deal on it, and I stayed. And that was the, that was with Finland. Third, third category. Finland was one. the third category for you. No, back then, I <laughs> back then it was the, it was the East Coast Hockey League, and man, the East Coast Hockey League was not what the East Coast Coast Hockey League has been recently. It was where you do not want to go uh, <laughs> ever in your life. So. I bet though that at by the end of the season, man, they're they're gonna they they have to at least eclipse the record, right? Oh, I think so. I mean, 
it's it's just a tsunami of transactions. Yeah, it, it's and it got me every off day. Yeah, and it got me thinking of back in your day, in the newspaper days. Remember, like the only way you knew whether somebody got called up or sent down or traded or whatever, they you went to the transaction section. They listed them in the yep. sports, and then you looked at transactions. That was the only place we could find it. There were no computers. <laughs> back How in antiquated. The day. Back in the day, and this is one that really frustrated me because I had to hammer these guys week after week after week. So in the transaction, it's a letter. So you're an LW or a G or whatever, right? They don't write out your position. Well, the Star-Telegram style was you write out the position. So, So we would have things like guard Darcy Walkalock. What was placed on IR or whatever? Because they didn't know that G stood for goalie. They thought G stood for. Oh, they would fill it out there after the fact. Oh my god! And this would be written in the paper, and we looked like just idiots. And I'm just going like, there are no guards in hockey. They would have listed me as God. (laughs) That's right. They saw the G, and then they saw (laughs) it was my last name, and it would have been that's God. God. God of goaltending, Daryl Ray. Well, hey, they're uh, they're going to keep doing this. Every every team's going to keep doing it. Uh, you know, there, there were waivers again today. Guys that you wouldn't expect to show up on waivers are showing up on waivers. Staylock got uh, claimed. Goalies are getting claimed all over the place, and he got claimed by Edmonton today. So there's. It's exciting times for the people in the transaction business. We used to say, remember, we used to get excited for the moving people with the, yeah, around right. the trade deadline, and yeah. and uh, if you had a, a real trade happy general manager, and now it's uh, and then it was transactions it was so good for newspapers, It'd be a thicker paper in the morning. Now it's just electronic in a way it yeah. goes. And I got more on that in a little bit, but first, we need to dive into this Dallas defense core. Okay. They're the heartbeat. They're they're the drivetrain. They are the reason that this team went as far as it did. But they are not playing well right now. They are not playing well individually, consistently, or together at times. And that's a major, major reason why the Stars are spinning and uh, fishtailing around and did throughout the month of uh, February. So it, it begs the question, Would you know, how many times have we brought this up, talked about it, you guys file the lines every day because it's so exciting, and lines get juggled, and coaches pull out the lotto picker, and away they go, and they'll blow it up in game, and, <clears throat> you know, whatever it is. But it's always just the forward lines. Yep. And the D pairs just stay the same. And the question would be, would juggling defensive pairings jar them out of the funk they're in right now? Or is that just unnecessary and uh, give them enough time, they'll refine what they need to refine? I asked Rick today, and he was very vague, but he says it is talked about quite a bit, and it wouldn't be talked about unless it was an issue. Yeah, oh, Uh, there you go. That's a good answer. It was a very good said, answer. He said, you know, he goes, actually, we've talked about a lot. And, and he goes, and we probably wouldn't be talking about this unless we thought that was something that we need yeah. to talk about. Um, you and I have talked about it. I do wonder about Klingberg and Haskinen together. Uh, I thought Daryl Sador was a defensive minded, skilled defenseman. 
And I think you can look at Miro in a similar way. And then, you know, Daryl Sador played was a really nice balance to what Sergei Zuboff did. And, you know, you could look at Klingberg and say, you know, these two are similar. Uh, so I do wonder if that pairing could work and, and if we shouldn't see it for at least a game or two. And those two fought like an old married couple <laughs> throughout their <laughs> existence together. They were so funny. Uh, that, that, yeah. I mean, it's it's been the same two pairs in the top four for a long, long time, which is great. It I mean, Why would you change something like that? Right. And like I said... They've been the drivetrain. And and you and I remember when the pairs were in constant flux around here. Not oh, yeah. too not too long ago, where it was just like every game they were trying to figure out what they were gonna trot out there. And then they finally hit upon uh Klingberg and, and Essa Lindell, and then just pretty much left that alone. And then along came uh, Miro Haskinen, and obviously Jamie Alexiak has has really developed uh, into you know a top four uh, guy. And, but maybe those things go stale, just like lines go stale. And maybe and it doesn't have to. You know, I'm not saying that it needs to be broken up forever, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you find something that just allows some individuals in there to refine their game and you can always go back to the other again, I guess. Yeah. I yeah you know, and, the, and, and then even, even in that, and maybe the game's so different now that it, it doesn't make as much sense as it did. But I mean, we see, we see uh, Klingberg and, and Miro Haskinen on the power play together uh, from time to time. And they man the point in that, or if the, the late in the game, they're down looking for some offense, throw those two together your best two uh, offensive defensemen. Although, you know, Miro doesn't have a goal. We're 16 games into this thing now. And uh, it's eating at him. You can see and it's affecting his play a little bit now. But if you if you had those two and, and maybe it, you know, it turns into something. They have the puck the whole time. You don't have to worry about them getting overmatched physically. I don't know if you have to worry about any guys getting overmatched physically anymore. N- not to the degree that, that you did. But if you're worried about that, certainly when you're at home, you could match up an absolute beastly shutdown pair in Alexiak and and Essel Lindell. Uh, and you know, say to the other side, try to you want to win a net front battle with those two? Go ahead, try, and have that be their their best. And both guys have shown that they in transition can be a factor offensively, especially the rig. The rig gets up there as much as any defenseman on the team. What's interesting is I think the rig with. Esselindel would would he wouldn't take more chances. Well, you, you know, play he the almost, offside, right? Right. Look at us; we're just managerial we're just doing podcasting. <laughs> I, I do want to throw out one interesting thing about should they break it up or should they not? One, they're at home, so like you said, they'd have the matchup so they could use it to the best of their ability. And the other thing I think is looking at what they did with Radic Fox in the last couple of weeks. He wasn't playing particularly well. He was kind of in a bit of a funk. They moved him off that line. They moved Dickinson in there. And all of a sudden, Radic Foxa, after a couple of games, got better. So I don't know if he got the message. I don't know if he just fixed his own game or what. But sometimes sending that message that, hey, you need to be better or different or something, the player will get it and they'll get better. And I think Radic's a great example of that over the last couple of games. Left out of the whole conversation, the fact that the th- there's no issue with the third pair, right? Yeah. Like Andre Sekera and, and Mark uh, Pesic just, you know, eat their minutes up and kill penalties and 
for the most part, you're you're tickled that you you're not noticing them. That that's your third pair, right? Like if if well, I mean the one thing I thought of if Alexiak really is struggling, could you move Sekra up and let him have those minutes? But again, sometimes when you push a guy up too far, you know. It gets a little rich for him, and it doesn't work out. So yeah, I just you get you know you get playing against different different forwards or whatever. I yeah, I, I just hey look, th- this is not uh, earth crumbling on itself. Uh, awful from the group there. They just haven't been as good as they were in past, and have been in past. And I don't know that this team can be successful without them being at their best. They are. If, if there's an identity for this team, it's them. To yeah. me. It's it's that that group and certainly the top three, uh, especially. Uh, it just they they got to be prime. They've got to be going and and if they can get going and and do that, then yippee kaye with that, right? So. Indeed. And then I think the playoffs last year, what the coaching staff did to emphasize that group was important. And so that I think tells you just how mm-hmm. important those four are because. Yeah. They said, hey, we need our defense yeah. to, to help create offense. Yeah. You know what else is important? Hmm. Coffee. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Hats off to the new Dunkin' Sweet Cold Foam. The perfect top to the Dunkin' Cold Brew. I want to urge all of you, and especially you, Michael, to try a medium cold brew for just $3. You know the Dallas Stars runs on Dunkin'? Price and participation may vary. I have one right by my house. I'm going to go drop by. Yeah, you are. More than once, too. Probably. Here, a little departure here. And stay with me on this one, both of you. Especially you, Totsie. Yep. A 10-second video clip sold for $6.6 million. Insane, yes. And true, absolutely. 10 seconds of video sold for $6.6 million. So your question would be, how can that be, Razor? Because that would mean... How can that be, Razor? Thank you, Mike. It was rhetorical, but thanks for chiming in. (laughs) So that means my Occam's Razor Star of the Game videos, or vids, should fetch somewhere between $90 and $100 million. If I was going to expand it out at the 6.6 per 10 second. So uh, here, I'll just, I'll just drop the knowledge on you, and then I'm going to ask a question at the end, okay? So get comfortable. All you people out there who are uh, listening along and consuming this with us, we appreciate you. But I want you to get comfortable here for a second because I'm going to tell you all about this $6.6 million 10-second video clip. An NFT stands for non-fungible token. This just means that unlike most digital items, which can be endlessly reproduced, blockchain creates a system where each NFT is one of a kind, with only one true verified owner. Now, Totsi, you may know all this already, but digital art is a major example of this NFT. But NFTs can also be things like digital trading cards, collectibles, objects in online games, patches of land in the virtual world, cryptocurrency wallet names, and other digital tokens. So 
I know what you're thinking right now, and I can almost read your mind, Mike. You're saying to yourself, well, why is this a thing? Is that what you're saying to yourself? I am saying that because I've heard this, and I'm going like, why is this a thing? Exactly. I'm going to answer that. Many uh, people that I have talked to about this very uh, clip industry, this NFT, uh, gave this example. If you spend all day at home on your computer... Why splash out a ton of money on a gold watch that no one's going to see? Why not buy something that your friends online can see and with that adds value to your online uh, life? It makes some amount of sense, but I do have one important question. Mm-hmm. What is this clip? Is it a game clip? Is it Oh my a... god, Mike, you're missing the entire point. <laughs> no, I get the point, but who <laughs> no, owns don't. the clip? No, no, you don't. The guy that paid 6.6 6 million, Mike, that's who owns it. But if the clip is of something <laughs> oh in a game, god. then the league owns that clip oh or the television god. station owns that clip oh or the team god. owns oh that god. clip. How does one guy get this one unique Perhaps clip? Jeff Totes could chime in and talk about uh copyright and uh, trademark. I'm actually not knowledgeable on this NFT thing, and I wish I was because I've just started like kind of researching a little bit, but I don't know enough or the lingo to speak on this, so I'm hesitant. Um, I know about as much as you just laid out, Razor, but the $6.6 million clip was an original artwork, right? Of course. Yeah, that was, yeah, so Mike's thinking like it's a game clip. It wasn't from a broadcast. The 6.6 yeah, the- was a, like, was an animation. Okay. But just that think, makes sense. Because like a Luca card supposedly went for two million, and then they're talking about these video cards as well. And I'm like, well, who owns the video card? What is the footage you, of? Okay, did you collect baseball cards or hockey cards or any kind of cards when you were a kid? I was aware of them. But I'm not going to ask Jeff Totes this because I know <laughs> the answer. I did not collect them. My, you did. My brother did. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Were you too into chicks and cars? Is that your thing? <laughs> That's huh? something like that. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I did, I had, and I, this is the most, one of the more painful things that I have allowed to happen in my life. Like I collected a ton of hockey cards when I was a kid. I probably had, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't know, 25 Ken Dryden rookie cards. <laughs> and along with that, I bet you I had as many Bobby Orr rookie cards. Just I, like, I had a, my mom threw out two full garbage bags, like big green garbage bags of uh, hockey cards, trading cards, when they moved from my boyhood home. And she asked me, you know, what do you you want us to do with these? They were worth nothing then. The the trading card uh, world had not exploded, but within, it might have been within the year, within a couple years for sure, it went nuts. And I looked and I saw what, Ken Dryden rookie cards and everything else rookie cards were worth and cards were worth. And I was just like, man, you are the biggest moron on planet earth. Uh, I mean, we were, at, we were using them in the spokes of our tires. Make it sound like a motorbike. Like I figured you taped them inside your pads and sweat it off. I use catalogs. I did put catalogs <laughs> in my shoulder pads, arm pads. I'm not kidding you. Didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I had I money. Just, for, I thought for good luck you might have a Ken Dryden card inside your uh, leg pad. Well, like fifty mission cap from my band. Yeah, yeah. I 
I stole this from a hockey card. I keep tucked <laughs> up under my 50 mission cap. You yeah. could have done that. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm just thinking forward to this NFT thing with trading digital trading cards. Is that going to be a thing? You would Within think. There? Yeah. I guess. It's I just, guess. I don't understand where the, the video comes from. Because if well, it's, a, if it's look, a video you want, it's a video that's been in the game. It's look, a highlight, right? Yeah, but look at how much highlights get spread as it is now. And look at in the music business. You can sample music. True. Right? Yeah. Well, how long does it have to be before it's copyright infringement? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But I think that's, that's part of this. Should have done more of my homework before Should I laid all this out. Should have become a lawyer. But, but know this, everyone. The metaverse is coming. The, the human being totes this is going to be your world, kids' world, kids' kids' world. They're going to live their entire existence online, as if you don't already. But you get out into the real world a little bit. I bet you you have a lot of uh, your ilk that uh, don't uh, tiptoe out of the online world all that much, do they? No, especially yeah. not in my line of work that's entirely computer-based. And in a pandemic. True. There's right. no reason to leave. So what would be the most valuable piece of stars video of all time? Mike? Holly's goal. You think that's it? I think. Because it's a controversial one. And then but is, two, it, because is it, it valuable because it's not rare. It's been seen so much. That's true. What would be valuable would be would be a different angle that no one's ever seen or somebody yeah. in uh, an NHL high ups take on it over maybe dubbed over top of the actual video. Hmm. You know what I, I think, think it is? What? Any moving images of the cup party at the late great Vinnie Paul's house. <laughs> yeah. That if you actually had the video of the of the that Cup would going be, off the yes. balcony into the pool. Because, I mean, does anybody know the true story of that? No. No. That would be the most valuable piece of Star's video <laughs> of all time. Pantera in the house. And the yeah, Cup. Epic. Cup a little. I mean, there are many Cup stories. That's one. And a, and a good one. You think the uh, the team would pool their funds to buy that back and destroy it? <laughs> yeah, that, yes. <laughs> That's how you get to $6.6 6 To lock it in the vault? <laughs> <laughs> the NHL might pay. Forget about the team. Oh, man, oh, man. Anyway, is it time to close shop, Totsi? I think it's about that time. I think so, too. Mike, you got anything else? No, I don't. No, I, okay. I'll tell you what, I'm living large I'm looking right forward now. to this week. I really am. I will say that. I, I, I Okay, Mike, Mike's living forward or, or looking forward to this week. Go ahead, Toti. <laughs> JT's, JT's uh, living what? I was just saying I'm living large right now with this 48 hours between games. Like this is, <laughs> I'm on summer vacation right now. Oh my God. This is amazing. You're going to have to get your mind back into the swing of things some way, somehow. It's going to be tough to get ready for the game tomorrow. <laughs> oh, this oh, has he's, been stretch, he's stretching out in that 700 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, my Mark. God. That was that was a bit of a slap in the face there from Mike Heike. You're not no, like he's, that. he's talked it about it before, how hard his, it is in the pandemic. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mike's space. talking about his pool freezing and all that. <laughs> yeah. Pools, plural, my, <laughs> freezing my, over, and my the pond. chime collection and everything. Yeah, that's what you need, Totsi, in your seven hundred square foot apartment. Some door chimes that'll spruce it up a little bit. I'll look into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, the rematch of the rematch 
is going to get the homestand started as our boys go about scratching, clawing, knife and forking, runging, runging their way out of the cellar in the central division. And uh, you know what? Here's a gift. I'll leave you, Stars fans, with this from Razor's End. Just, just again, close your eyes, drink this in. The trick to surviving difficult times is to admit they are truly difficult. Yet, these difficult times will pass. Thanks for rinky-dinking with us again this week. Brought to you by our good friends at Duncan.